This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day, lovely listener. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Indian stand-up comedian Azim Banatwala. A star of the Indian stand-up scene, Azim gave me a fascinating insight into why this scene is absolutely booming right now. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Azim Banatwala, thanks for yes. taking it easy with me today. Yep, happy to be here. How are I mean, you? It's, it's not like we have anything else to do today. So. <laughs> that is true. We are currently yes. in my hotel room in Bengaluru, mm-hmm. which we're both here for the Bengaluru Comedy Festival, yes. uh, which has been going for a couple of weeks. Uh, but today, it is Sunday and we're supposed to do all our last shows tonight, mm-hmm. but a major celebrity slash politician from Bangalore, has yes. passed away overnight. So everything yes. is closed today. Mm. And yeah, he died of natural causes. Uh, so it wasn't like he was like assassinated or anything. But now the entire city is just like, no, you're, you're not allowed to have fun today. So no fun, yeah. All of our shows are cancelled, so yay. <laughs> like I think that's the worst thing that can happen to you as a comedian when you have an enforced day off. Yeah. Like you, like when you when you're leading up to the show and you just feel like ah oh, I don't want to work tonight. Mm. But when you're told that oh you can't work tonight, <laughs> you're like ah I want to yeah, yeah. I want to work tonight. Yeah, yeah. And you you ha- you would have had a sold out show. Yeah. Tonight, right? So Which I mean I'm bummed out about it. But hey, what do you do? That's right. That's true. And but how, how have you found the the festival besides tonight? Oh, it's great. So I w- I've only been uh, like I think it's been ten days of the festival. I've only been here for three of those. Yeah. Uh, so we had one uh, big show on the first weekend, which was a lot of fun. And um, yesterday was the first proper, I mean, my first solo show, mm-hmm. which was uh, nice. It was a packed house and good fun. And no, it's always fun. I've been, I mean, I've been coming to the festival for three years now. I mean, it's been in existence for three years now. Yeah. And uh, no, it's always a very nice vibe. It's like, it's always great to see all the other comics who I don't get to hang out with yeah. very often. And we just sit in the hotel and usually just get drunk at night at 4 a.m., <laughs> wake up at 12, take a bit of hangover medicine and then yeah. get back to stage. So it's, it's always been a great experience. And yeah. 
obviously uh, this festival takes a lot of uh, a lot of cues from melbourne as mm. well because uh, the festival director sam he spent a lot of time in melbourne yeah. and sort of uh, picked up on a couple of things from there like we had the lip sync battle yeah. uh, bollywood <laughs> lip sync battle for the first time over here after watching lip sync battle last year so yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun just everyone I heard great things about the the comedy roast battle as well. Yeah, I saw that. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that things got pretty brutal yeah. in there. <laughs> so. And it seems like it's only going to grow from strength. Oh yeah, yeah. Strength, I'm, I'm very excited to see where the festival goes. Yeah. Right now it's just uh, maybe three or four shows a day on uh, on weekdays and then like 15 a day on weekends. Mm. So, but it'll be nice to like once it becomes a brand becomes an identity once people in Bangalore know that okay, this is this happens every year for like two weeks. That's yeah. when it's like really going to pick up. That's great. Now you are you're from Mumbai, you're based in Mumbai. Yes. And you grew up in Mumbai as well? Yes. So what was life like growing up in Um it was actually I think Mumbai for me, I mean and most people from Mumbai are very biased about this. Like we <laughs> we believe that there is no better city right. in all of India, which there isn't. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I grew up uh, in a fairly like f- fairly so in a very in a rich household but mm-hmm. my parents r- refused to tell me that we were rich all through the time that I was okay. growing up so i assumed that we were really poor yeah. like all through us so i didn't ask my parents for okay. anything because i asked them for like a small like video game when the playstation 3 came out that's when they bought me the playstation 2 so okay. like i was one generation of gaming behind because my parents did not want to disclose their wealth to me that's interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh that was nice. I it, my parents have generally been fairly chilled out. There was all, they were always like after me to like be good uh, in school and be mm-hmm. good at academics and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, I studied engineering, which is what every third person uh, right. did in India in <laughs> yeah. 2010. Graduated, didn't get a job. Um, yeah. And then I, I, w- I was always writing in college. I used to write for like this humor website uh, called UTV Bindas, which was sort of, uh, it was BuzzFeed before BuzzFeed. Okay. Like we were doing the listicles and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And it was quite fun. I just used to write for like a few dollars of pocket money every yeah. week. And took up an internship there. And from there, I got referred to a job which turned out to be for National Geographic Traveler. So I wrote for them for three years. And I was doing stand-up parallelly with that. And uh, worked and did stand-up for about three years. And then decided to quit, do it full-time. Go full-time, right. So when did stand-up first become... Is coming to your periphery. Like, when did you see? Mm, so I had a few people who, like, from my sort of extended friend circle, who, who I had seen doing stand up. Like, there's this comic who's pretty big now called Varun Thakur, mm-hmm. um, and I, I knew him through a few people, and I'd heard about him. And the friend of mine said, "Oh, he's doing a show, and it's near near where you live. And why don't you just come around and." I think that was the first stand-up comedy show with the, with like Indian comics that I'd ever seen. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And actually, my first open mic was a work assignment where okay. my magazine editor, we were doing a feature on stand-up comedy. And right. my editor was like, uh, you seem young and funny. Why don't you get up on a stage and try an open mic? I was <laughs> like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And it went pretty well. Like if, yeah. I had, if I'd bombed that day, I would have never gone back okay. again. <laughs> yeah. But it went pretty well. So yeah. then I stuck at it and I bombed the next three nights. And I was about to give up on the fourth day which, when then I won the open mic and I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is, it was the first thing I had won in maybe 12 years. So I was very excited about it. And how did your parents feel about you um, starting out stand-up comedy? 
I mean, for them, like honestly, they were just happy that I was doing something. Yeah. Like because I did the engineering and that didn't work out, and then I was doing the journalism, and they just started to get used to the fact that I'd wasted their entire money that they had put into educating me as an engineer to now <laughs> be a writer that I was doing without any training. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after a while, they were just like, "Yeah, if you're making money, just just do it, man. Yeah. It's cool." I mean, they don't really come and watch me very often. They've watched me maybe like three or four times. Mm. Uh, they they watch the stuff that I put online on YouTube and all of that. And and it does feel weird for me to like do sex jokes or like you know like do swear words in general just like when they are around because yeah. that's never the dynamic that we've had nice. and and most indians have not had that dynamic with their parents yeah. of like i mean i have seen a lot of people who like 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 swear in front of their parents and like smoke uh, in a, like with their parents some people smoke like uh, pot with their parents which right. is yeah. pretty absurd for like people like us it's unheard of yeah. but uh, yeah, we have a good relationship. They've generally been very supportive. And yeah. also because I was the second child. So like they, they let my sister just do all the mistakes uh, <laughs> before me. And it was like, yeah, just you just do whatever you yeah. want. So Excellent. Cool. Did you have much uh, Western stand-up in your life? Did you watch much American? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this sort of age. So the first gateway to stand-up comedy for all of India was Russell Peters. Mm. Uh, because that was the one sort of YouTube clip that started going viral everywhere. Yeah. So when would that have been? In like mm, the early 2009? Right. Nine or ten. I think that's when we sort of, oh, there's like, oh, okay, stand-up comedy with a Indian-ish guy talking about yeah. Indian-ish <laughs> things in non-Indian-ish accents. <laughs> uh, and that was cool. So I, I saw that 10-minute clip and I was like searching for, and obviously we had no access, we had no legal access to stand-up comedy anywhere in India. You couldn't buy like a DVD or an album or watch it anywhere online like pay and watch it online so we I think I've pirated most stand-up specials I have watched uh, before 2015 like wow yeah because there was no means of legally watching them so So, what the reason for blocking them is because of the content um no it was just it just never made its way here there was never the demand for like western stand-up comedy yeah we did have indian stand-up comedy in a sense where it was very like mimicry and physical comedy based Mm -hmm. very mass uh, like uh, indian like tv audience oriented which there was one good show with a couple of comics who did really well and who we really liked like the very observational completely hindi but very observational and very nice which Mm -hmm. we liked but like yeah so the first time like i just i downloaded a bunch of stand-up specials because russell peters was one of them and there were six yeah. others that were just there in it and i was like okay i'll just like <laughs> this is the only way to get the russell peters show so i'll just download the six of them as well yeah. and on that there was uh, robin williams with uh weapons of mass, dis- yeah. mass destruction or something like mass something um there was uh chris rock uh, there was uh, Eddie Murphy Raw in that. Oh, wow. yeah. um, there was Eddie Izzard uh, yeah. Dressed to Kill, which became then my favorite. Like, so he he is my inspiration right. for everything that I yeah. do. Eddie Izzard is my favorite uh, comic ever. And there was one special by I think Louis C.K. and one by Carlin. Wow! So that was sort of my first exposure to comedy, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Then I was just getting all my friends to watch it. Like, "Hey, these guys are funny," and they're like, "No, we don't understand." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, it's quite amazing that uh, Raw, because Raw came out in in eighty. Oh yeah, yeah. Four or something. Like yeah, that. it was twenty twenty two thousand nine when I was watching those specials, but almost all of them were from. 2001 and before, before yeah. yeah and a lot of my st- like favorite specials are just like really classic 90s specials like Eddie Izzard Glorious is still my favorite stand up yeah. special 
just because of it's it's amazing how the jokes like over time like 25 years it's absolutely completely 100% relatable <laughs> and i yeah. get all of it that's, so, that's so cool i i didn't know a great deal about the stand up scene here in mm-hmm. india before we came over on this tour we've been here for 3 weeks now and i've met a lot of comics and spoken to people the th- the one thing i've really noticed and stood out to me is how new the scene is here oh yeah yeah it's i just blew my mind that mm-hmm. everyone everyone i've spoken to that is well established has been going for maybe 10 years maximum. Yeah, 10 years max. So I think Veer Das is probably like the most established comic mm-hmm. that we have and now he's really like made it big and he's got two Netflix specials yeah. and he's pretty much all touring all over the world. Yeah. So what so what was it 10 years ago that happened to make that boom? Mm. I think it was guys like like Veer there were there were guys like Papa CJ at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, Karan Talwar like these are the guys who started uh, saying that okay let's try to have like open mic nights and get people on stage and yeah. we we started the first uh, indian open mic property because it had to be an open mic there were no professional mm. comedians to put on a lineup yeah um that that like comedy is quite new in australia it's kind yeah. of really kicked off in the 80s i guess and right. went from there there was comedians all through the 50s mm. 60s and earlier yeah. but it really boomed through the 80s yeah. america's been going for a mm. lot longer i think if you told anyone that in India, a population of over a billion people, stand-up only started yeah. 10 so, years ago. So, I mean, ago. yeah, it traditional does... stand-up and English stand-up started yeah. maybe 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. We have had, so we've generally had entertainment and comedy in different forms. When you talk about live comedy, it's been a lot of, like, poetry and, uh, I mean, the, there's this very Indian concept, it's called the Mushaira. It's sort of like, uh, they call it a Kavi Sammelan, which is a meeting of poets. Okay. Uh, where it was just, like, a bunch of, like, people who had, like, different kinds of like funny poems to tell yeah. or whatever we just sit around and then like uh and there's this entire weird dynamic that happens where a guy like the philosophical but funny poems mm. right so he's going to say something and after every line <laughs> it is just mandatory for the entire crowd to say wow wow which which basically translates to wow <laughs> so you have a guy saying oh i met a girl today and he's like wow and then <laughs> and until the people say wow he's not going to continue so it's it's incredible and it's still a thing now yeah it's still a thing yeah and these guys work professionally yeah doing that live um i don't know how much money they make but yeah. i think it's just more of a like tradition <laughs> thing that they have where it's just a guy saying wow and it's actually a funny bit i'm going to work on this cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Write it down. Uh, yeah. So when you started in 2011, mm-hmm. the scene must have been fairly small. In oh, yeah, yeah. Like if I did uh, two open mics a month, I was like, oh, I've done a lot of work okay, this month. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because there was like three open mics a month. So it was a huge deal. And obviously it really helped that we had uh, the comedy store from the UK come in and mm-hmm. they started the first comedy club uh, in India, Yeah, uh, which was uh, the comedy store in, in Mumbai. And uh, so for the first six months, we had every week, they would fly down acts from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would give one uh, Indian comic a, a five-minute spot on the show, sort right. of to start grooming them. And yeah. we've sort of like grown up over there in yeah. that room at Comedy Store, where it was like the biggest deal. Like we would be waiting and waiting and waiting every month for that one email to come from the owner, Don Ward, who's saying, okay, we have we've given you a spot of five minutes for this month and you <laughs> yeah. can get on stage. And I'm like, oh, five minutes. And, That's awesome. And it yeah. was all or nothing because if you if you screwed up the spot you wouldn't get a call for another three months right yeah. so it would and i did that my first spot was horrible <laughs> and they didn't call me for three months yeah. but then i nailed that one and then i started getting calls yeah. again so and then did crowds just started to catch on that there was comedy there was open mics oh yeah so so when it when the comedy store first started out we had 
300 people packed houses for open mics mm-hmm. at that wow. venue because it was it was such a new concept i watched my first stand up comedy show in india at the comedy store which was i think december 2010 was when i watched like my first live uh, stand up comedy yeah. show and it was incredible just to see like like properly established comics from the uk who've been doing this like 25 30 years yeah. and coming and entertaining us which yeah. was it was really cool and then getting to perform with them later on yeah so i got like most of us sort of when it's absurd for me to say that 8 years or 7 and a half years in i am the first generation comedian yeah. <laughs> but like we all uh also are a bit more english stand up comedy because we had sort of almost that colonial influence of us yeah. of like british people deciding whether we were funny enough yeah. so we we had to perform in english for them yeah. and they gave us a lot of a lot of tips they said okay like they helped hone the craft quite mm. a lot And it's actually quite sad that that venue is actually shutting down this month. It's been like oh. the mecca of Indian comedy for uh, close to eight and a half years now, mm-hmm. and that venue is shutting down and now moving somewhere else. Oh, that's so it's actually shame. quite sad. Mm. But uh, I mean, it's not been managed particularly well since the comedy store element left and the Indian people took over. But yeah, yeah. It's it's. Yeah. I guess. I guess you have to move on eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned there uh speaking English. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that's fascinated me mm-hmm. with the scene here. Yeah. Uh watching we've been a part of lineup shows where we've watched uh different performers. Some people are speaking all Hindi. Yes. Some are doing all English, mm-hmm. some are doing half half. Yes. Uh, is that quite a tough decision to make when you start out because If you're going to do just Hindi you kind of Yeah so I mean I, it yeah. depends also on your upbringing and your education so a lot of people who who like uh, come from a sort of middle class background traditionally they would uh, speak Hindi at home and mm-hmm. think in Hindi Okay uh, so a lot of them when they were starting out were not really successful because the demand was for English comedy so they had to translate their jokes from Hindi mm-hmm. to English and they didn't always like it's uh, the very like Hindi is actually a very poetic language Uh, I don't know how I can explain it to you but there's there's a certain like I don't know beauty to it yeah. in a sense even though I don't do a lot of my comedy in Hindi but there's just something about Hindi that just does not translate to English at all like right. I I feel English can translate to any other language mm-hmm. or maybe to, or specifically to Hindi but Hindi cannot Hindi like there's some things in Hindi that just remain Hindi yeah well uh, I spoke to I can't remember who it was but they said a lot of people doing english setups mm. and hindi punch and hindi punch yeah. lines because it's because it's funny and it yeah. sounds funny yeah it is and also it's more colloquial right like it, the, you're just uh, not everyone is used to especially in places like bombay delhi everyone sort of speaks bilingual in the same sentence mm-hmm. so you're going to start the sentence speaking english and you're going to finish it speaking hindi it's interesting and, yeah and that's <laughs> that's just how we are it's sort of this hybrid thing we call it english right um and that's <laughs> just sort of how it's become and even for me even though i will attempt to write it in english but then just like the thought in hindi will come to me and i'm like yeah there's no way i can top this line in english <laughs> and if i go abroad i'll do the line in english yeah. but when i'm here and when it's an indian audience they're going to have a better time if the line is in hindi yes right yeah so we met um zaki khan mm-hmm. uh who is purely hindi he oh yeah and he's hindi. i think the biggest comic in the country yeah right 3 yeah. million Uh, subscribers it just yeah. blew our mind yeah. he was just sitting in an office and we just had a chat to him and then yeah. we all left and mm. one of the guys checked his Instagram he had over a million followers yeah. or something we're like what <laughs> this is amazing uh, so yeah, and he, he blew up also just a couple of years ago right so he was in the scene and struggling for about four years mm-hmm. almost and it was just this one video that he put online which went insanely viral 
which hit maybe I think ten or fifteen million views yeah. on YouTube, and it's sort of almost like that Russell Peters thing, where just that uh, those few videos went really viral, and just almost overnight he just became a superstar. Amazing. Yeah, it was very cool. There's a lot of similarities here between where I'm from, our stand-up scene mm. in Melbourne, Australia, to here, but there's a lot of differences in how you blow up. Right. Uh, in Australia, you. You do festivals, you build an audience yes. that way over a number of years. You get reviewed well. Yeah, yeah, you get reviews, you uh, can get the odd TV spot, which mm-hmm. might go well. Yeah. You can use that to sell yourself. Uh, social media is very prominent. Mm-hmm. But here, uh, like you say, Zaki had one YouTube clip. Uh, it seems like every comedian I've spoken to here has had one YouTube clip that's got over a million views. Yeah. Uh, or you get an Amazon special, yes. which really makes you take off as mm-hmm. well. What was the first thing for you that really mm, took off? It was YouTube because at that time when I put out my first video, I think it was 2015, if I'm not wrong. And that was just like material that I was just completely done with and I was sick of it. And I put it out and that went really well. And people still come to watch me because of that one v- video, which I look yeah. at it now and I'm like, oh, these are just the most basic first thought <laughs> hack rubbish jokes that I've ever written. <laughs> but people are still coming to watch me because of that. And a wow. lot of people like, so they like, those are jokes just about me making fun of one particular community in India called the Gujaratis, which just every comic has done <laughs> at some point. It's just that I was the first one to put a video out. So that became, yeah. oh, he's the guy who made fun of the Gujaratis. Yeah. <laughs> and now people watch those jokes and then they come to my show where I'm just talking about genocide for 25 minutes. <laughs> and they're like, no, oh, we weren't expecting this. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it, it's there's a bit of a mismatch from the, the, the audiences that... Um, like watch the material on YouTube and who actually enjoy the show. Sometimes that happens. Right. But uh, I've always been focused more on live than online. Yeah. So I found that I have more of a live, uh, repeat live audience that watches me once and they're like, okay, we like this style and we haven't seen this anywhere online. So then we're going to yeah. come back and watch it live again. Right. Yeah. So you just tease them with a little bit of yes. online. Yeah. So how many views did that clip? Um, so that one at the time uh, was like pretty big for me, which is half a million. Which Christ. like right now half a million is like ah oh, this is a shit clip like <laughs> honestly I'm not even you get kidding. half a million in Australia you are jumping for joy yeah <laughs> and also it's changed a lot over the last couple of years Hindi comedy has got very big because uh, um, almost eighty percent of the country has basically received free mobile data right so literally like the domestic help and the, literally the lowest of lowest people in terms of financial standing and where they are in life have access to youtube now and those are the people so you have hindi comics who like like zakir obviously is the exception where he blew up and as a live artist as well his ticket sales and all that really picked up we have a lot of guys who will have like three million views on youtube but like can't sell 10 tickets because the audience that they cater to cannot afford to buy tickets oh wow yeah okay and you and you just can't it wouldn't be feasible to do a, a gig to the... To yeah, you can't because they... I mean, they can't... Have, like, you can go and do a, a gig for like... With a $2 ticket, which mm. is what their audience can maybe afford. But yeah. you're not going to make any money off it. Even right. if you sell out like whatever, 500 seats, you're making very mm. little money off it. Well, I guess it's still great you're making them laugh in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it helps. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also helps with like the corporate crowd. I mean, you're getting corporate uh, bookings and right. corporate work and that yeah. kind of stuff. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. 
That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellier and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. So after your first video went quite well, mm-hmm. uh, did you start? You started to get a bit more work out of that. Yes, started to sell more yes. tickets. At yes, because shows? earlier it was just word of mouth, right? Yeah. It was just somebody would come and watch me at a club. And they would be like, oh, okay, I have a company that we have an event we're doing. And they would talk to like the venue who would then call me and we would have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, but after YouTube, then obviously people had like a starting point. They were like, okay, this guy's funny. We're going to, we want, we want to book him. Mm. And obviously started getting a lot of work off that. And then maybe 2016 is when the entire college uh, show scene really kicked off around okay. here. So now every college festival, like there's, there's sort of a season for it from like, January to March, which is just that scholar show season. So, yeah, d- during that time after you had the successful clip, did, were you self-managed? Were you just managing everything yourself? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I got my firm, I signed up with uh, my agency, OML, in 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I've been with them about two years now. Yeah. And yeah, but earlier it was just doing everything yourself, which was a bit of a nightmare yeah. now that I think about it. Just like <laughs> talking to the clients and haggling with them. And Indians are the worst people to bargain with. Like <laughs> They will literally bargain with you for like uh, getting the fee down by $10. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I've had to fight with people for 500 rupees and just right. been like, you know what, just, just, it's okay. I will do the show for 500 <laughs> rupees less if you just stop irritating me. Yeah. Um, and we had... Uh, I mean, there was also the aspect of like getting the tech right and all because people just assume that, oh, we've seen the show on YouTube in the comedy club and irrespective of what our setup is, he's going to be able to replicate that exact same thing, which doesn't happen. (laughs) And they don't realize that, okay, people have to be seated, the bar has to be shut, uh, you know, the lights need to be dim on the audience, there needs to be a stage. Uh, these basic things that they just don't get you sort of have to like I've had to like produce my own corporate shows for like two years pretty much (laughs) because nobody knew what they were doing that still happens in Australia I think that's just corporate shows in general (laughs) yeah Yeah, you're part of a group called East India Comedy EIC how did that come about um, so it was founded by this comic called Saurabh Panth, who was the founder, and then uh, he left because we kicked him out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He just had different plans in life than the rest of us. Um, and uh, there was so it started with him and Kunal Rao, who's also you yeah. have seen him in the festival. And then there was two others, Sahil Shah and Sapan Varma, who got together and they started just because the scene was so new. You wanted to have like some kind of support system within comedy where you could like you know <clears throat> do a, like do a show where you have four people on the lineup, so you don't have the pressure of doing half an hour or forty five yeah. minutes yeah. on your own. And that's how it started out. It started out just as a platform to have other people uh, to share the stage with you, like like-minded people who can help you with the stage, like help bounce off material and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. we didn't, you didn't know a lot of comics at that time. And uh, they started doing a lot of stuff where they started doing particularly a, a news comedy-based show, which at that time I think was a terribly named show. It was called Digging the News. Um <laughs> And they uh, you would do the four of them and they would get one outside comic uh, to do it. So they called me one time and I enjoyed writing the show. And they would do it every month. Yeah. 
and uh, so I did it one month and then it was fun I did the second month and we kept sort of doing that and then they were like okay why don't you just sort of be a part of the group and join us full time so me and another comic Atul Khatri we also joined yeah. uh, and we were all together there were seven of us which is just uh, especially when you're trying to like so when seven people doing seven separate things it's great yeah. but with seven people trying to do one thing it's a nightmare <laughs> especially like seven creative people yeah. with strong opinions yeah. who all think that they are the funniest person <laughs> in the room oh it's horrible <laughs> and so we we decided then i mean it wasn't like i was actually very against the decision of uh, you know doing sketch comedy and like uh, content very youtube driven content mm-hmm. uh, because i was always very like i'm the pure youtube i mean the pure live artist uh, yeah. will do only stand- stand up and nothing else <laughs> but then i could see the impact it had we started doing sketch comedy and the first sketch we did which i co-wrote that was actually the first proper video of ours that really went viral uh, which is a video that uh, it was about it's called sex education in india which is basically just uh, <coughs> exploring what sex education is like yeah. in india off the back of some news thing that had come where saying that the government said that there should not be sex education mm-hmm. in india and that was insane so we produced that entire video ourselves like complete shoestring budget yeah. uh we overnight we got uh, 3 million views on it <laughs> and for that time that was huge yeah. like that was inc- unheard of yeah. so and that's when like the youtube channel and east india comedy exploded took off yeah and then uh, you came here you did a show here didn't you as the group Uh yes yeah, at the start of the festival yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, that was full wasn't it then Uh yeah I mean I think we had about 650 yeah. people in there it was fun and we haven't done a lot of shows as a group in a very long time so that's mm. why people get a bit more sort of excited about it because we do maybe one show a year as a group yeah uh because as i said like just writing a show together and like we do our individual stand up and we do songs that we've written together and just the process of writing those songs again is just so painful <laughs> because everyone has a different punchline yeah. for the song so <laughs> it's uh, so we've realized that we just need to work like collectively but on individual projects and that's what makes everyone happier mm. you mentioned there that you made the video after the government made the uh the yeah it was just a to... random and this is most of india's news where it's just some random dude gets up one day and says um yeah sex education should be banned there's a guy who couple of months said that yeah there there was wifi in 10000 bc like this is a guy <laughs> yeah he actually said that <laughs> yeah because and he's talking about like you know indian mythology and oh the 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 god ram managed to communicate with the other god hanuman over millions of miles how did he do that it's because they had wifi <laughs> <laughs> that's like, great. fucking nuts dude <laughs> so so if you make fun of politicians mm. in india Uh obviously the crowd would probably respond very well to yes. that. How do politicians respond? In Australia, they're kind of free. Yeah. People mm. say what they want. Um yeah. So that's like, the thing. So the politicians will not respond. It's always going to be a bunch of people who will respond on behalf of the politicians, yeah. which is like the sort of the self-appointed uh, representatives of the government, mm. which and the government does have sort of a paid uh ecosystem of uh, of trolls online which is well documented we've done an entire like news story about this right. entire thing where they have an organized structure of people who just go to shut down dissenting voices on mm-hmm. twitter and uh, that i think that's sort of what's made twitter very irrelevant in india now because everyone knows that you cannot take anything seriously okay. on twitter yeah uh, so because you you say anything against anyone you're going to have a hundred random anonymous accounts replying to you saying oh what do you know fuck off you should go to pakistan yeah you're right so twitter's 
all like pretty much died in india just because of how just how much interference and just how much uh, static these guys create yeah. when you're trying to they want to just distract you from the real issues mm. so it's it's a big problem i feel like going forward though it's going to be very stand up's going to be as it is everywhere else around the world now very powerful for freedom of speech mm. i mean we, that's the hope uh, we mm. i mean it also hinges on how our next election goes if the, because if the same guys get uh, elected again and they have like a huge majority uncontested uh, and no like proper opposition to check them there's going to be a lot of stuff because so they've been systematically you know like clamping down on different pillars of democracy so they've they've yeah. the first thing they did was they captured the media they have the loudest voices of the media are owned by the current government right. then there was the judiciary where uh, a very high profile case in which the the the, the ruling party's uh, president has been implicated in like the murder of three people which i mean unofficially everyone knows he did it right. but just the evidence has disappeared witnesses have disappeared the okay. case has been going on for about 20 years wow and uh, so that's happening so they have so they've taken the media they've taken the judiciary and slowly eventually i think it is going to come down to clamping down unless they're checked and mm. that's sort of our job as well and we try to like raise as much awareness as we can yeah uh, and talk about what's happening like what the right wing is doing and all of that which is why like it's very counterproductive when the when you have these really <laughs> uh like ultra left movements so like mm-hmm. even me too as great as it is but uh, when you have the ultra left the voice after a point is attacking just the left so like it's the ultra left attacking the left yeah. the people who are on their side mm-hmm. and they attack them for not being on their side enough right. you know if it makes sense and yeah. that discredits the voice of the left and people mm. are like yeah we'll just listen to these guys instead yeah, so yeah. it's a bit counterproductive when that happens and okay. it's and in terms of the conversation and like getting people's minds to change it doesn't help a lot but uh, yeah we're trying we're trying to do our bit there's mm. lots of i mean there's comics who are really political who face the consequences of being really political political there's a guy called Kunal Kamra uh, who's again one of the biggest comics here and he's he uh, routinely makes fun of the establishment and mm-hmm. like uh, very like no holds barred just says whatever he yeah. wants and he's ha- got into a lot of trouble where like he's been evicted from his uh, his house by his landlord because the landlord was like oh i'm getting calls from people telling me that i need to right. evict you yeah. so he had to like move his house he had like death threats and all of that kind wow. of stuff yeah. but he still does it because yeah. that's just how crazy he is <laughs> uh, i've i've noticed on this trip when any of us have mentioned sex or like the act of sex or anything sexual mm-hmm. crowds don't really go for it why is why is sex a bit yeah it is it has always here? been stigmatized for some reason or the other i, I don't know it's just it's just sort of ingrained into us that just sex is bad and mm. uh, you shouldn't have sex before you're married right. and all of that kind of stuff and mel, it's just uh, mel bartle who's on the trip with us made yes. a good point she's like why is it like this when you've yeah, it's the largest clearly, population yeah, in the world yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but i don't i don't know what it is i think maybe we're just not very good at it so <laughs> we're just trying to cover up i i, I genuinely don't know it's it's absurd it's because we do like it's we have the maximum amount of sex in the world <laughs> but i think we have the also possibly the least amount of like 
casual sex in right. the world or at least uh, like that would be on the lower scale because that's only a phenomenon that exists in the bigger cities this entire mm. thing of like like getting a date off tinder and yeah. hooking up and all of that that's a fairly new concept like we've had a comedy scene for 10 years we've had tinder for 3 so <laughs> <laughs> we have a long way to go <laughs> Uh you've been to Australia before? You came out? Uh yes, I was yeah. here for the festival in 20 which year is it? 2018, yes. Yeah. This year. This year, yeah. Yeah. Uh you came and did the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yes. You also did some road show gigs. Oh yes. Going from Mumbai, one of the most populated mm-hmm. areas in the world. Yeah. How was it going to rural, oh, it was rural Australia? I enjoyed it. I I in fact like I wrote like about 15 minutes of content about yeah. it which is in my new show. <laughs> where like just first of all like like melbourne and all of that was was fun it was great like it's like like it's a city so mm. like if you've been to a big city you you sort of know what to expect from melbourne did it still feel really quiet to you that um yeah of course i mean the suburbs and especially the suburban areas and the yeah. smaller parts i was like there's just there's no people here this is freaking <laughs> me out dude why are there no people here <laughs> and uh, like you know we went to uh, the smaller like so i did the Victoria Roadshow so we went mm. to Swan Hill Kohuna Kohuna was very interesting mm. that was i think is a population of the town had a population of 1050 which <laughs> like again it just it blew my mind you know just how can a population be expressed with four digits It's, i've never heard of this before <laughs> and it was weird and also like <laughs> like it opens your eyes to also how like uh, ignorant people in like the smaller parts of even first world countries yeah. can be where because like uh, after one of the shows um and we typically we would do the the photographs with the audience yeah. on road show and all of that and i just like so while i was doing the photograph with somebody else i just ho- heard the sort of old white australian lady walking past me like excitedly whispering to her friend she's like oh i've never seen a muslim before <laughs> and it's not it wasn't like you know like a wonderment like oh it's like like muslims they they like they're cool it, it was just like oh fucking i saw a muslim before any of my friends like yeah that tone to it like some kind of bucket list item <laughs> Just skydiving, bungee friend. jumping, and seeing Muslims—that's <laughs> the priorities. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy? Did you enjoy the the scene there? And the oh, doing, I loved performing it. to Australian. Crowds? Yes, yes, absolutely loved it. And yeah. for me, it's always a ch- like it's it's going out of your comfort zone. Mm. Like because whenever I'm doing an English bit here, it's it's very easy to fall back on like just the easy Hindi punchline and mm. like get the crowd back on side. But that the like when you're, it's all entirely white crowd, like there's no safety net for me. Yeah. And that's what made it like a bit more exciting. Especially the first week was very challenging to get like tweak all the material and like write a bit of stuff about Melbourne and all of that. So that yeah. was a lot of fun. And roadshow as well was a lot of fun. Mm. Like I think I enjoyed roadshow more than the actual festival, just because it's like a completely new scene, a completely new yeah. vibe every day. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, do you have aspirations to perform? in other parts of the world? Oh yeah. So I mean I I have been to uh, Edinburgh so I just uh, went there on my own sort of as a holiday yeah. and got on stage as much as I could which was the first first time I'd performed to a uh, non-Asian audience. Yeah. Uh, I mean I've had white people in Asian rooms but I've never like it's always been outside of Asia. Yeah. Uh, inside of Asia rather. And uh, it was nice. I enjoyed Edinburgh. It was just like Edinburgh is just a next level of craziness mm. in terms of oh, there's just so much stuff happening yeah. there. Like it's so daunting to even think about doing Edinburgh. Yeah. But I hope to I mean I I I wrote a new show this year because I had an Amazon special so I wanted to write something that was more Indian targeted because mm. that's what the audience would be. 
um but for my next show i am planning to write it more as a festival show which yeah. i can take to melbourne to edinburgh to uh, wherever else just for laughs right. whatever works so so you thinking that be like 2020 or 20 no, uh 2020 2020 i think yeah because i would need i just finished writing and touring the show and i'll have to retire it uh, at the end of uh, december so uh, i think i would need like a good year to come up with something that's like good and fresh yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah I did Edinburgh the first time this year and it definitely opened my eyes that I need to write more universal material oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of my material is Australian yes. based and even coming here you know we've we've sort of honed a 20 minute set yeah I've done a three or four minutes of local stuff to start each set but yeah just really Every time I'm I'm going to write from now I'm going to really think about everywhere yeah. else as well. Yeah. No, it's the same. So even when I did the festival I was doing the comedy zone Asia so I was on there for I think well, pretty much all the days of the festival so yeah. whatever 28 shows or 26 shows. And just that that 20 minutes that I was doing there now now I know that that 20 minutes I can take anywhere across the world yeah. and because it's just ready as just one like universal right. generic international bit. Yeah. And that that really helps. Mm. And financially is that something that is I I spoke to a couple of comics this week mm-hmm. and talking about Edinburgh and they're saying they'd love to go but just the conversion rate yeah like they live fine here but the conversion rate to get to Edinburgh oh yeah absolutely is like for me it was re- a lot of money to outlay yeah. probably like 10,000 Australian dollars yeah. uh so is that something that's hard to Um yeah well. for most comics yes uh for people like uh, as i said so i'm doing pretty all right financially mm. uh, in terms of i do get a lot of corporate work i have yeah. my specials and all of that so i have uh, I do a special obviously i spend most of the money from the special on producing the special yeah but it does give me enough money to sort of like live comfortably for about 5 or 6 months so it does uh, it helps to have that sort of like basic So I've always made sure that I don't I didn't live this sort of rock star kind of life mm. where I was just taking my money and like spending it on alcohol and like yeah. buying a fancy car. I really <laughs> wanted to but my I think I got married at the right time to have <laughs> a wife to tell me like no you're not buying the sports car. I'm like okay fine. <laughs> so it does give me the luxury to like maybe have one or two punts and yeah. say that okay I can go to Edinburgh twice and make a loss and come back. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I have kept that like sort of consciously kept that money away and been like okay this is my sort of career building fund right. in a sense yeah. where I'm going to go to place like Edinburgh or uh, like self produce in Melbourne or whatever yeah. and see what happens because Excellent. you have to like take the chance if you don't Absolutely, take the risks yeah. you're not going to make it anyway exactly you never yeah. know uh one thing I forgot to ask you earlier do you have uh anything outside of stand up that you aim for in India like in Australia if you're doing stand up comedy uh you can do radio in the morning mm. or uh some people act in yes. TV or write mm. scripts yeah is that an option here like is bolly mm. is there much connection between so i mean stand up it depends on what kind of artist you are if you're like sort of more mainstream masi hindi comic then bollywood is like a great step forward for mm-hmm. you because that's uh, and i think even like our biggest comic veer das he started out in bollywood mm-hmm. as like a very not a very successful actor but it's just that people knew who he was right. so th- he got that little bit of like credibility before uh, like when you saw his name on a ticket link you're like okay i've heard of him before yeah. uh but for for most of us i think tv is a step backwards in a sense okay. like because uh, tv is dead in india nobody watches tv anymore well, there appears to be a thousand channels as well yes but <laughs> so i mean uh, uh, in terms of at least the the metropolitan market 
uh which is the the market that can buy tickets to shows mm-hmm. uh nobody's watching like traditional tv anymore because the programming is very repetitive it's the same stuff that's been happening for the last 20 years okay. uh people watch sports obviously that's on and news on tv that's the main stuff and the rest we have netflix and amazon and youtube red and all the other stuff that's coming and that's sort of where the next goal is for us it's the sort of the ott the over the top platforms which is your uh, uh Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hotstar and all of those where i think most of us and that's my target as well for next year is that i'm <clears throat> working on developing a, a TV show i mean a show for Netflix or okay. Amazon right um and that for us that's sort of the next step I'd, like some people want to act in their shows as well or just act in shows where you have that option because we're making the industry as we go along yeah there's yeah, nobody who's new. been doing comedy content i mean there's been comedy content for tv but it's been traditional comedy content with the same formula for the last 20 years or yeah. 30 years and we now have to break that mold and we have the opportunity we have the platforms who are coming mm. to us who are like starving for content they're like give us original content yeah. that's indian and it's a skill set that we're having to develop so now i'm having to learn what it is to like write a story write a screenplay yeah um sitting and working on that that's my next once i i'm done touring at the end of the month that's what i'll be sitting and working on for like 2 or 3 months get next like month. something that's pitch ready um sell like attempt to sell it to one of the platforms yeah. get a sort of development budget and then go from there right um and this people because that ecosystem is being created by the people who want to write and make the shows it also gives the opportunity for people who want to act to yeah. also be a part of these shows right so we are pretty much creating that ecosystem for ourselves yeah, right so now yeah it's so exciting here it's yeah. uh, it's also fresh and yeah but it's also like- scary because you don't know what the next step is you just <laughs> you're just like we're just we're shooting in the dark we don't know what yeah. we're doing but. plus you have plus the fact that there's the billion people as well you yeah. have so many people that probably haven't seen it yet that yeah, you can still have to go to mm-hmm. so the yep. options are kind of endless absolutely it's very exciting and and even just podcasting here mm. like we've I've spoken to people about podcasts and they couldn't really think of any comics that really do yeah that. people have tried to do podcasting but it's something it's just one of those things that never really caught mm. on in india but i'm telling you it will like it's everywhere yeah. else people have tried like i've been on a podcast i hosted a podcast about yeah. like poker for uh, a couple of months uh but just there was uh, like when when it stopped i got one message from a guy saying <laughs> where's the podcast i was like you were the only guy listening to it <laughs> i'm telling you it'll kick off in the next 10 years you could be the first to start, yeah i don't know because some. i think people do want to, i think podcasts would be successful purely give, just given the amount of traffic that there is yeah. because you like you get sick of listening to the same advertisements on radio every yeah. day <laughs> and eventually people will start start getting sick of listening to the same music and mm. i think that's when so i do know a lot of people who are very very into podcasts like yeah. they they just have like 10 podcasts that they're always listening to um but somehow it's never it's never really caught on beyond like you know this small cult following that exists yeah. but maybe it will who knows yeah well there's some australian comics that have podcasts that are getting Oh yeah yeah I mean I know Josh Earl has a podcast yeah. that he does he was doing it live at the festival as yeah. well yeah Yeah it's just it's fantastic for building your your fan base yeah. um not that you guys need it as yeah. much because as I think <laughs> also for us because we've got YouTube it's sort of uh, because YouTube came first and it was yeah. we were given that platform and YouTube itself put in money to help us uh, gi- like give us a little bit of uh, production like cushioning in terms mm-hmm. of uh, they gave us like studio spaces and stuff to shoot Yeah 
um so we just like i think made the jump directly to uh, youtube and even even though we do do like podcasty content where it's just five of us or four of us sitting and chatting we tend to do it in a video format instead yeah Uh, so in that sense, we've done like video podcast is is more popular than audio for some reason. Okay, yeah, interesting. I wonder if I'm intrigued to see if in the future years, with the scene growing here mm. and comedy just booming, whether many English or Aussie comedians come up here, learn a few Hindi punchlines, oh, yeah, and sure. try and get in on the scene. Yeah, it's it's a bit hard actually for uh, <laughs> like comics abroad to come in and perform here. uh purely because like the moment there's a, a, like a, a white comic on the lineup um the licensing and uh, all the fees increase like 3x for the show right. so it's very hard to produce those shows yeah. so which is why like the the non residential indian comics like the comics who are from uh, like who live in the us but look indian yeah we we just get them here and then just pass them off as oh, no he's indian like don't worry about him like yeah. he has a us passport but the name and the face is indian so they don't ask questions <laughs> Uh, would Hindi be hard to learn as a language for someone like? Oh, uh, it took well. It took me a while. I failed most <laughs> of my exams in Hindi in school <laughs> because I was just terrible at it. But I think you can pick it up. I met a French guy who was living in Bombay last week. Oddly enough, rescued him from an accident. All uh, oh, right. Yeah, and he was like complaining to the police in Hindi. So it seemed to been, uh, seems to be all right. <laughs> well, I really look forward to seeing. uh the indian scene just boom in the next few yeah, years and see what happens be, happy your, your movie gets out or whatever the script is yeah i mean yeah it's a tv show i'm looking tv at tv show That's excellent it. yeah and uh we see you on amazon again yes uh was there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap it up what, um well i don't think amazon prime is available in australia so which is good so just because i can do the i can do the jokes that are on oh, yeah. the online live <laughs> yeah. so it's great now don't search for me on amazon <laughs> but hopefully we will be doing a tour, a tour next year in australia uh, whether it's the festival or road show or just yeah. an independently produced tour for like indian audiences or whatever excellent Um but yeah I I, ho- I do hope to come back to Australia in 2019 as well and yeah. uh, hopefully I will see a lot of you guys there. Yeah excellent and you've got uh YouTube clips you got some clips on YouTube yes. people can watch uh Instagram. Um yeah I do have a I have a comedy update video on YouTube uh, yeah, as excellent. well. And yeah you can follow me on YouTube uh, Instagram Twitter if you want to but I barely post there anymore. Um, yeah, I think YouTube and YouTube is East uh, YouTube dot com slash East India Comedy, where there's a lot of stand up, there's a lot of sketches that we've made with subtitles in English, so you would be able to understand them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. Instagram, I just do just it's Instagram is just nonsense. So if you're interested <laughs> in nonsense, feel free. I was looking at it earlier. You like yeah. doing the face. Oh yeah, so I do the face thing with like if you're Manchester United fan, you you like that way. I just pretend to be Jose Mourinho and just uh, bitch about Manchester United players. It's fun. Excellent. Well, Azim Benatwala, thanks very much for taking it easy oh, with pleasure. me. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Hello. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, as Azim said, there you can follow him online. He's on Instagram. It's Azim A Z E E M, and Benatwala is B A N A T W A L L A. Find him on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, and on YouTube. Watch some of his clips and keep an eye out for him when he tours Australia next. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, word of mouth is appreciated. Also, if you're on iTunes, give it a little uh, like or a rating. 
and leave a comment. It'd be much appreciated. If you want to steer your friends towards the podcast, send them to iTunes, take it easy with Daniel Connell, or if they don't have iTunes, go to my website, danielconnell.com.au. It's under the podcast section on the website. While you're on the website, you might as well check out my gig section uh, for all upcoming shows. My new show, Piece of Piss, is on sale now uh, for festivals next year, coming to a town near you. Uh, Also, next time you're on Facebook, jump on my Facebook page and give that a like. I'm also on Instagram, Daniel Connell Comedy, and Twitter, Daniel Connell 3. That is it. Thanks very much for listening, and take it easy.